Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Battleborn Podcast 2.0, the sequel. Uh, today's topic, we're going to be talking about cybercrime. There's been a just a variety of uh, of hacks and and other things that have happened around Southern Nevada, starting with the casinos. Uh, I'm told that's not as unusual a thing as we've been led to believe. But the unusual part of this one is the visibility uh, on the part of the public. In other words, it, it interrupted services. MGM had slot machines with, you know, error messages on it. And they, they literally shut down the operations of the hotel uh, to a large extent. And I think that's new. Uh, we've also seen uh, Clark County School District was hacked about a month after. So September or so, MGM got hit. Uh, they're claiming a $100 million loss in one quarter, $10 million in another uh, over this over this incident, um, the um, the CCSD hack happened uh, about a month later. Apparently, their Google uh, Google Workspace environment was compromised, uh, compromising data. Since then, a number of things have happened. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to have Lynn Armanino on from the Clark County Chamber of Commerce, uh, who has been hosting with the help of uh, uh, Henderson City Councilman Dan Shaw and the Metropolitan Police Department, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, has been hosting um, the uh, several seminars on cyber fraud, uh, cyber crime, and awareness for seniors, uh, talking them through some things. So we're going to have her on later to talk about that. Uh, and um, and uh, it should be a great, uh, great podcast. Um, so MGM, MGM goes, uh, not black, but, uh, they start having service outages rather than using their, uh, check-in system. They've got people out in front with clipboards doing that job. They've got slot machines and things on the gaming floor with error messages, uh, instead of, uh, their normal operations. Um, and MGM has kind of started out with like nothing to see here. No big deal. Of course that wasn't, uh, accepted very quickly. Uh, later to find out that this hacker group, uh, ALF V, A-L-P-H, capital letter V, excuse me, V as in Victor, uh, which has uh, a couple different names. It's uh, also known as the Black Cat Cyber Gang, uh, and Noberus is another name. Uh, they're basically a ransomware uh, hacking group believed to be out of Russia that has attacked everything from the public uh, court system in Florida to um, to the casinos and several other businesses. And I mean, they're, the ransomware demands basically that you give them cash in exchange for which they will not interrupt your business or they won't circulate personal or private information, confidential information. Um, some companies pay, some companies don't. I don't really have a lot to say about that other than to say uh, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time. Uh, when criminals from another country don't even have to enter the United States and they can bring corporate uh, giants to their knees. The, the um, Clark County School District story is, is quite a bit different. Um, I have a little bit of an IT, I have a lot of an IT background, so I can say there's something altogether different about the CCSD hack uh, that leaves me suspecting this is not as sophisticated a group as the MGM group, but nonetheless, uh, they compromised um, a considerable amount of student data. Uh, the latest development in that case is the parents have decided to sue Clark County School District for, quote-unquote, preventing 
The Breach. Uh, and uh, reading from a Las, Re- Las Vegas Review Journal article, two parents filed a class action lawsuit Tuesday against the Clark County School District, alleging it failed to protect sensitive personal information and take steps to prevent a cybersecurity attack that occurred last month. Um, they named the parent. I'm not going to. They're named as uh, Jane Doe in the complaint, so I'd rather not put that out on the Internet if it's not uh, already out there. I guess it is, but uh, I'm not going to contribute to it. Nonetheless, these parents – now, to keep in mind, there's 300,000 students in, at CCSD, and these are two parents that are making an allegation. Uh, the allegations stem from, A, they didn't do enough to prevent the attack. B, they are downplaying it. I got to go with the district on B, to be honest with you. So I heard a parent, uh, there's a parent who's supposed to be knowledgeable in cybersecurity who started talking about how this was going to affect these students for the rest of their lives. I find that to be pretty hyperbolic. Uh, At the end of the day, what did they get? They got uh, pictures of the students, addresses of the students, email addresses of the students, um, and uh, things like their student ID number and things like that. Well, here's the thing. If you have one student's email address, you can reverse engineer the convention used to create those. You've basically got everybody's address. If you know their name, you've got their address. That's the same in the corporate world. That's not a secret. Uh, Their names and addresses, I guarantee you anybody with any technical skill at all could get that information. That's not private. Uh, The student ID numbers, change the student ID numbers as fast as possible. I'd change the change the convention and change the email addresses, but I got to tell you, that's not going to do much. Um, They also have a pretty good system for scanning and watching email coming into students. Um, uh, You know, I I just don't think this is as bad as they're making it out to be. Um, Now, I don't know everything there is to know about it. If they compromise medical files or uh, things that could otherwise cause these uh, students and their parents or families problems, well, then I'll take that back. But I'd say that by and large, it's information that's generally accessible. Um, I find it interesting. So many parents will post unbelievable amounts and quantities of information about their family, whereabouts, what they're doing, activities and so forth and pictures. But then one school picture gets leaked and all of a sudden, uh, you know, there's this giant uproar. Um, I'm not saying it's nothing. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. It's a deal. But um, the parent quote I read was something to the effect of this is going to haunt kids or follow kids for the rest of their lives. I don't buy that. Um, I, I, like I said, I don't think it's nothing, but I don't think it's as big a deal as you're making it out to be. And out of 300,000 students, you know, presumably as many or twice as many parents with only two parents suing, I guess this was to be expected. Um, but nonetheless, it seems CCSD sounds like they're up to normal operations or back online. Uh, I guess it was the Google suite. They use Google for all of their classroom, uh, the classroom suite. They use it for their email and everything else. Um, I know there was a big rigmarole on every campus about changing logins and things like that. Uh, It sounds like they have it under control. um, And if not, I suppose we'll find out. Uh, And the the one big difference with CCSD is they did not pay the ransom demand, um, which was uh, reported to be, by the hacker's uh, description, a fraction of Superintendent uh, Dr. Jesus Jara's salary, a fraction of his salary is what they demanded. So they considered that to be pretty fair, that they were only asking for a part of his salary uh, in, a, in, an extorted, uh, in an attempt to extort them for not releasing this information. Um, this is not the first attack. CCSD had an attack, uh, I would say back in 2020, I think it was 2020 or 2021, it was a similar attack where uh, there were some people that had gained access to the network and they were in quite a bit quite a long time before they actually uh, announced themselves uh, and they demanded a similar payment. I believe that was refused as well. 
So this is, again, I, I think when it comes to large entities, whether it's the uh, Clark County School District or MGM Resorts, I don't think this is new to them. I think the thing that might be new is the, re- the level of reporting that we're seeing in the press and then perhaps maybe even the success or sophistication. Uh, apparently, this particular black cat uh, hacker group uh, has been uh, doing things since uh, 2020, 2021 as well. Um, a number of things uh, have occurred. Uh, the FBI, of course, is on to them. Um, they seem to uh, target, obviously, institutions where they believe they can extort large uh, sums of money. Um, I would say both the tactic and the result sort of suggest that the CCSD hackers and the, um, the MGM hackers are, are quite a bit different, quite a bit. I think the CCSD hackers are quite a bit less sophisticated. Um, definitely be watching that to see what happens. Um, in the meantime, you know, we, of course, all on a day-to-day basis, I receive, I don't even know how many phishing attempts or scam texts, your package couldn't be delivered, give us a bunch of information, and we'll tell you where to go pick it up. Uh, you know, your Bank of America, you know, balance has fallen below a certain balance, click here to whatever, I don't bank with Bank of America. Uh, we get stuff all the time. But at the end of the day, um, you know, this is this is something that's here to stay, I think, for a while. Uh, technology's not going anywhere. I think we're becoming more and more not just reliant on it, but I think it's actually something that most of us enjoy the convenience of so much so that this isn't going anywhere for a while. And I would imagine neither is the cybercrime. Well, with that, we're going to have to start beefing up our vigilance a little bit, looking after ourselves and each other. Uh, and to that end, the Clark County Chamber of Commerce decided to create several seminars. They've done two so far. The last one was in Henderson, uh, sponsored by Henderson City Councilman Dan Shaw. Uh, and um, I've got Lynn Armanino on the line. Uh, Lynn has been hosting events, the uh, fraud, uh, cybersecurity and fraud awareness events, specifically for seniors with the help of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. Lynn, welcome to the program. Thank you. Nice to be here. So we want to talk a little bit about your event and more specifically the topic and the content of your event. Um, Can you give us a little bit of background? How many people did you have show up? Um, I understand uh, Henderson City Councilman Dan Shaw was your sponsor for this last one. Yes, he was. He was very generous, and we always appreciate uh, when uh, people will sponsor events like this. We can reach out to the public, and and, uh, you're providing a service specifically talking to seniors about fraud, uh, fraud prevention, and what what to do and not to do. You want to walk us, just walk us through the content a little bit, talk about your program and, and the kind of uh, conversation you were having with your guests. All right. Well, we had a nice turnout. We had almost 30 people and we had representatives from the Vegas Voice. Um, and it was a well-attended and pretty long in-depth meeting, about two and a half, three hours. Uh, we covered everything. He, the, the lieutenant from the Las Vegas Metropolitan uh, Police Department doesn't skip much. He goes into everything that he's aware of. He's been doing this for a long time, and he's got just a, a slew of information for us. There's a couple things that I went in aware of and I came away aware of uh, besides what he told us. And I'd like to just kick on uh, kick off with a couple of things that people should always remember. The first one is if something is too good to be true, it's not true. Uh, the other thing is if you get an email from somebody and they want you to uh, 
call this number, it's usually an 800 number, or they want you to click on the link, don't do it. It's normally not going to be who you think it is. If it's, for example, it's from Wells Fargo, uh, don't call that number. Call Wells Fargo, report what you've, you've received. They usually will have you forward it to a department that handles that. Or I did that with, I think it was Network Solutions, and they had me forward it to phishing, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, at Network Solutions. And phishing is when you get emails that are not real emails. Uh, texts, I think, are called, I forget what texts are called, uh, but they have names for everything. Yeah, so um, phishing typically is usually there's a combination of things. So when you're looking at, uh, let's look at social media, for example. So you'll have these things where it'll say, hey, take part in this little puzzle. What was the street you grew up on? Who was your first grade teacher's names? What were your pet's names? That's phishing for information that yes. these scammers can then use. And it's either going to be to guess your passwords on some other systems or to bait you by calling you and doing what you're describing. So I want to repeat something you just said because you said something very important. You're on the phone with somebody who claims to be with Citibank or Wells Fargo or somebody, and you say, listen, I don't know you. I need to verify. And they'll say, okay, let me give you our customer service number. You can call and verify. They're giving you a fake number. You have to listen that 90% of the victims, when there's regret involved in this, like uh, people are trying to scam you, that's not on you. You got no guilt to feel for that. But the regret that these people feel is when there was a tiny bit of laziness on your side as the victim. And all you had to do was look up the number for Wells Fargo. Go back to your own bank statements that you have in your hand, not anything they mailed to you, but your own records, and call the number for yourself. If it's legitimate, they're going to get you where you need to be pretty fast. If it's not, you're going to know equally fast. But don't take their word for anything. No, no numbers. Don't click on any links they provide to you uh, and so forth. So that's very, very good advice. Um, on the phishing side, so there's a combination of trying to get information out of you and then there's using that information to gain your confidence. So they'll, they may, I had a, a it happened to me one time where someone called and they said, Oh, your neighbor, so-and-so sent me over to blah, blah, blah. It turned out they had just been at their door. They didn't know them and they didn't send them. They just took their name. They had a little nameplate of their family above their door. And then we had a nameplate of our family above our door. And so they're just using any piece of information that they can glean and it makes them sound that much more credible. But uh, yeah, on, the, on, on your side, that's probably the best advice I think I've ever heard is, is don't take their word for anything. Don't use any links or numbers that they give you. Call and verify with your vendors and don't trust anybody who, who calls you out of the blue or who knocks on your door. This isn't just stuff that happens on the phone. It happens uh, at the door as well. Anyway, not to interrupt, so go, go, go ahead. Well, the, the other thing that you'll, you'll get besides the phone call that we've all gotten, and this is a phone call uh, that says, oh, grandma, hi, this is your grandson. Um, don't buy it. If it's, if it's a child, if it's a grand, grandson, granddaughter, if it's somebody, a best friend who's been in an accident, you'll find out in other ways. But this is a ploy that's commonly used. The, thing, the other thing that you should not do is definitely do not give them any information. Never give them any information, uh, and they can be very convincing when they ask for it. They'll call you, somebody will call you, and they'll say, hi, and again, I'll use Wells Fargo. Hi, this is Joan from Wells Fargo. We've seen some irregular activity on your checking account. Can you verify your checking account? Well, why should you be verifying your checking account? They should verify it to you. So they call so, like they're taking care of some security concern for you. They call like they're on your side and then, you know, you start giving them information and 
and then the snafu begins. And we need to be very aware because it's very, what they do is very sophisticated. Uh, I got a phone call from Walgreens and I'm so paranoid when the gal said she was from Walgreens, I asked her what was the last prescription I had filled and I had the data that it was filled. She told me, but they can take over the ID, caller ID on your phone and show whatever you want. I have personally gotten phone calls from my phone number which uh, that blew my mind, yeah. but they can, they can't, they have the means to do this. Uh, the one thing we all need to be aware of is this is a multi-billion, not million, billion dollar industry. And they're not doing it because they're not making money. They're doing it because it's l very lucrative. Uh, for the most part, if we just use good common sense, we should be okay. But in this day and age, do not go blindly into that trust. You have to trust and verify. No, verify and then trust. Um, you just don't know who you're talking to. I have friends who have been uh, scammed and they're very sophisticated and very aware, but they can come up with some clever schemes. Uh, one thing they did, and thank goodness I was aware of this, but uh, a year ago I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to pick up a job as a uh, a part-time job as a uh, uh, mystery shopper. And mystery shopper is where you work for a company and you go in and you shop and they reimburse you for what you spend. And um, you report back on the service and the quality of the store and everything. I didn't hear from anybody for a year. All of a sudden, a year later, I get this check for $2,390.73. Th $2 I immediately wrote void on it because that is very seductive. With it, I got a letter. Now on this letter, it has American Express poorly copied logo, no return address, no date, no information, nothing. And even on the, the check, there's no information. Well, I never started a business with somebody who first, I didn't talk to. Second, there wasn't a contract. And third, I didn't know how to reach them if I had a problem. I mean, and it goes on from there. Um, it, this is a very common ploy that people are using to, to get. And what happens is you would cash the check. Two weeks later, the money comes back out of your account or you're dinged by your bank, and you are liable for the funds. Yeah, there's a, so, there's a common thread there, too. So often scammers now... This is in um, in common curriculum for cash handling classes. If you're ever working with cash in the public, uh, it, it, it applies to everything from mail fraud to, to email and cyber fraud. They will often give you something that you probably know you're not entitled to, and that's the beginning of the scam. So they give you money, but then when they take that money back, if you ever even see it, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll initiate a financial transaction that won't clear, but it still gives them enough information about your accounts and about things on your side that you now all of a sudden are, are susceptible. Um, and it often has to do with you accepting the transaction, approving the transaction, something that makes the financial institution believe that this is a legitimate relationship between you and the scammer. So you're, that's, a, that's a highly astute observation on your part. As soon as you got the check, you're like, wait a second, this isn't real, this isn't right, and you avoided it. Had you deposited that, even if the check had been returned, 
they likely would have had that hard copy of the check you deposited with your bank account information, a copy of your signature, any endorsement information that you do. It's changed a little because we're using cell phones and things now to do it. Um, I wanted to mention too, somebody asked me one day, why are, why are these events focused on seniors? And I said, because the fraud is typically focused on seniors. And that started a while ago because they knew it's all this technology. It's things coming in email. It's us getting these paperless bills now instead of things in the mail. It's the ability, like you said, to control the caller ID on the telephones. It's everybody carrying a phone around in their pocket and they'll catch you in the middle of you doing your shopping or something. And they use that urgency to distract you from your normal sort of awareness, your normal uh, vigilance. And there's all these different things that technology has brought to bear. And it's technology that seniors didn't you know, ha haven't always used. They We used to walk into a bank and conduct our business face-to-face. -face. Then it became a little more remote. We started using ATM machines. Now it's almost entirely remote where we're doing everything virtually. And they know that there's, a, there's less comfort and you may feel like you have the same safeguards and the same security that you used to have standing in your bank. Well, you don't. And so they're trying to take advantage of that. I imagine that's lessening over time as seniors and, and this generation has become much more technically aware, for example, than the last generation. But they're just taking advantage of your comfort level and uh, that false sense of security that you have by making you feel like you're dealing with your financial institution and that they're there to help you with some security concern, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so the, the secret shopper thing... Um, was this something that they contacted you initially or were you looking for it and then somehow this this came came to pass well today when you look for a job again it's done online mm -hmm. and i'm old school i'm not 20 40 years old i'm old school i'm used to going in and doing it person to person so i was applying online and i applied a few places i never applied with american express and i don't know how they found out about it but it, you don't know there's so many things we need to be aware of uh, as far as uh, who can monitor our, our computers and our emails and are our passwords secure, all of this. I, I wish there were classes on how better to protect ourselves. That's yeah. why we, uh, the, the chamber, the Las Vegas, uh, Clark County Chamber is uh, promoting fraud uh, seminars. It's more to get the word out so people understand how to better protect themselves. But you're right, seniors are targeted because one they've earned their money so they have money usually in a savings account or in a trust or in something mm -hmm. um you know in accounts and if they can get those numbers and they can get access and they can uh, get your trust they will uh abscond with a lot of funds uh one thing that uh, is is a ploy for seniors but not just seniors but heavily with seniors are romance scams and these are where, especially with social media, um, you start interacting with somebody on social media, you develop a really good friendship. They say everything you want to hear. Maybe your husband has passed away. Maybe you're, you're divorced. You're however old you are. You're lonely. And these people are right there telling you everything you want to hear. This is what happens to young children when they're seduced by these people. You wonder how children can leave home to see people they don't know, but they have developed a friendship and a trust with these people. That's the same thing they do with the seniors. And the lieutenant uh, was telling us that he talked to somebody who he had found the person who was scamming her. He tells, they will tell 
the, the uh, victim, your family doesn't care about you. All they want is your money. I'm the only one that cares about you. They erode your trust in your family and your friends so that your only lifeline is the scammer. And he was trying to tell this woman she was being scammed. He had proof and she was so taking and so lonely and so needy, she wouldn't believe him. So it's uh, it's it's all pretty pervasive. This a lot of it is done overseas in Africa, from countries in Africa, and you can tell if you get something written, if the syntax is bad, if the if the sentence just isn't laid out right, if it's not proper English. Run, do not walk. Even from that even seemingly insignificant typos. American Express does not send out a letter. First of all, they rarely send out one letter to anybody. They're, they're, they're sending out thousands if they're sending out one. They get it right. They're a professional organization. Wells Fargo, same thing. Here's the and, and there's a kind of a pretty good rule of thumb. If it's a legitimate request and you're wrong in asking for verification, nothing bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. If it's not a legitimate request and you don't ask, everything bad is going to happen. So it's better right. be vigilant, be be on the lookout. And worst case scenario, you, you had it happen with your prescription. Can you verify mm-hmm. this information for me? I'm sure she was not offended by that. And frankly, even if she was, it was a layer of protection for you and, and well done. She was shocked. Then she laughed. And then she respected that I did that. Well, and that's a that's a way of raising awareness too. So every, I've I've got a I'm not going to say the name of it, but I have a company that I do business with, and they will call. And often, uh, the number that I see on the caller ID is not a number I'm familiar with. And I've asked them about that, and they mm-hmm. said we use call centers, and the call centers do this, you know, hanky panky with the caller ID. And I said, you know what? I'm not taking calls from you anymore as long as you're doing that, because mm-hmm. it does confuse people. I remember talking to my dad about this stuff, and you know, you mentioned seniors have made their money and they've, you know, they've, they're targets because of that. There's also a thing like, like people have paid their dues, they've done their work, they're retired. How about if every minute of the day, they don't have to be, you know, victimized by these, by these scammers and stuff. So I feel like even the rest of us, because it could happen to anybody, you mentioned children earlier. I know plenty of people who are neither seniors nor children who have been scammed online. It happens a lot. The romance thing, there's a, there's a demographic, there's a group that they go for. Uh, But at the end of the day, if we're all just a little more vigilant, a little more aware, don't take for granted you know, it's it's not such a casual thing to call into somebody's home and be talking to them about their prescriptions and their medical situation. So what's mm-hmm. wrong with verifying that and having them sort of put that forward as a normal method of doing business? I just like to see us, I mean, on one hand, yes, I want everyone to be vigilant and I want them to be careful. On the other hand, I don't want them to have to worry about it every minute of the day. And I feel like if we start looking at this culturally, we can find that balance where people can protect themselves, but not necessarily be turned into to victims or easy targets for these for these people. There is a couple of other things I would like to add. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not all seniors are wealthy, retire wealthy, and some are living on social security, and that may not be a lot of social security. But these scammers know that they're going to get a check at a certain time and the money will be in their account. So they're taking advantage of people who really don't have any wiggle room. Uh, A piece of advice I'd like to give everybody is be careful with Zelle. Do not Zelle with businesses. If you Zell with a business and it's a fraudulent business and they take your money, you're out. If you use a credit card with a business and you realize they scammed you, you can call the bank or the credit card company 
And if you call soon enough, quickly, you have to do it fairly quickly, they will fight to get the money because it's now their money, not your money. You give away your money, there's nothing the bank or a credit card company will do. But if you use a credit card, at least there you have recourse. So there's a thing about urgency. If they're if they're putting on you, the caller, the emailer, whoever, that it's this urgent thing that you have to take care of. There's nothing that urgent about a transaction like this. And so that's a huge red flag. You know, we want you to sell it because we need the money right away. I don't know any vendor that requires the money that fast. They'll take a check. They'll take, you know, a credit card. Um, a lot of times the best practice is just to say, listen, I will contact the institution back and make a payment. Don't make a payment live with the person on the mm -hmm. phone. And again, worst case scenario, if the payments actually do, at least you're going to, you know, whether it's due or not, at least if you find the number, you make the contact and you make the payment, the money's being paid to your account. You're going to be okay. But if you, if you do this, you know, hey, it's an, an urgent thing. We're going to close your account. We're going to send you to collections, whatever they, whatever tail they spin to get you to give it to them right away. Like you said, with a with Zelle is a wire transfer. It's immediate. That money is gone from you and in their account, and you can't touch it after that. Um, and there are variations of these things. I, I would say definitely be careful. So what I, what I liked about your event, Lynn, is you had uh, Metro involved. You got the police department involved right away. That brings credibility to it. I know the lieutenant had stories of various things that happened. He had his own presentation, and that's good. What concerns me is there's so many sites out there that claim to be fraud prevention that are actually these phishing scams. So you have to be very careful when you go. Still, I want to encourage people to do their research. And look, if you're using PayPal, there's a thousand scams that involve you using PayPal. If you use Zelle, as Lynn mentioned, there's there's the ability to, to take your money pretty much almost right away. If you do wire transfers on a regular basis, I think, Lynn, you and I talked one time about the story involving Barbara Corcoran, the realtor uh, from Shark Tank, uh, the New York realtor. She had a situation. They used an email phishing scam where they basically figured out. Um, so these developers or flippers or people who develop properties, they're constantly uh, engaging with vendors, sending money, uh, doing wire transfers, large amounts of money for these um, these um, redecorating projects and, and rehabs on full buildings sometimes. And so there's large amounts of money going back and forth. Well, the scammers figured out in her case uh, what her assistant's email address was. They created an email address using the same name but one character different in the email address, sent an email requesting a wire transfer, which is not atypical in her business. She did it. She actually sent several hundred thousand dollars. Only because the um, somewhere in the communication chain, they accidentally copied the actual address of her assistant. Then they saw it happening, grabbed a hold of it. At the very last possible step in the process, they grabbed the money and she didn't lose the money. But there was a period of time. I remember when the story first broke, she thought she lost the money. She thought it was gone. And we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, this is a savvy businesswoman. This is a team of savvy business people who do business all the time. And just because of an email address, just because of a familiar uh, comfort, just this, you know, this is what we do every day. And they're coming. They try to inject themselves into your routine and they'll do it one of two ways. They'll either make it like it's a no big deal thing like they did there. Like, hey, this is what we do all the time. Just send it over. But there's always that common urgency. 
if you don't do this, we're going to lose this material. We're going to lose the bid. We're going to lose the project. You know, we're not going to be able to get the material you asked for for these countertops. Well, no one wants to call their boss back and say, hey, I didn't do the wire transfer fast enough, so we don't have the countertops that you ordered. And, you know, if you've ever done a project like that, one piece falls out and everything falls out of place. So they use whatever sense of urgency they can to get you to do it. But I, I do want to underscore, I've sort of been circling around an idea here. Um, intelligent people, no matter how smart you are, you can be taken in. It's, the, it's, that, it's that momentary lapse in judgment. It's that momentary just false sense of security. It's that whatever they are. And these people are not dumb. They're smart. They know how to put something in front of you that sounds like the right thing. And so um, the most important thing probably is don't, don't think that you're immune. You're not. You have to be very, very careful. Um, I can tell you I've probably had several dozen phishing scams and emails. I get them all the time. I get text messages. Uh, your Bank of America, blah, blah, blah. I don't do business with Bank of America, but I get them anyway. Your package. We couldn't deliver your package. Click here. They're going to ask for a bunch of information. I, I, I track the packages that I, that I have and that I order. I do a lot of business online, but I don't just get random text messages from vendors saying, hey, we need you to do this thing really quickly or you're going to lose your package. So there's, I mean, it happens to everybody. It's just a matter of whether or not you let your guard down for that split second, um, which can be catastrophic. It could be, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of variations on this. The other thing I would say is sometimes you're, you'll evaluate it and say, well, it's not that big of a risk because it's not that much money. Maybe they're asking you for some small amount. But what you don't realize is even if they're asking you for a dollar, if it comes from your financial institution, again, they get a lot of information on their side of that transaction. And it says to your financial institution, I have a relationship with these people. They do look, the algorithms look and say, oh, they've done business before, so this must be legitimate. They're, these people know a lot more than we do as, as to what they're trying to fool or what part of the system they're trying to trick. And so just doing a 50-cent transaction and I'm not exaggerating. That actually happens where they will actually say, we're going to give you this 5 or $6 thing and it's only 50 cents because you're a first-time customer or whatever their, their language. And then you do it and the next thing you know, your card is maxed out or your bank account is empty because you've given them more information than you realize you are. And that's part of the technology, uh, the, the, the advent of all this technology too, is we don't always know what information is being traded because we know what we put in but you don't know what your financial institution is giving or what the app sends over or what their financial institution requires. And so, yeah, anybody you don't recognize or that looks even the tiny, tiniest bit suspicious, uh, you don't do. But also, don't be afraid to verify. I think in the Barbara Corcoran story, they got very, very lucky. And she even said, she said, the, the scariest thing of this was, I'm paraphrasing a little here, we did everything that we always do. There was no mechanism to prevent this you know, and she said, we'll continue to do business in this way, in a sense. And, and, and that's what scared her the most was, this is how we do business. This is what we do. So you, you'll, you, you can sometimes be frustrated because you're like, man, I'm, all I'm doing is buying Christmas presents online and I have to worry. All I'm doing is exchanging information on social media and I have to worry. But the good news is, and I think you alluded to this earlier, every once in a while, there's a detail that's a mess. The language isn't quite right. It's too good to be true. If you have anything tickles that instinct of yours trust that instinct and don't do it verify before you do anything there's one other thing that you can do to to double check uh if you get an email and i got an email that said uh validate your mailbox information now i had just renewed for however many years 
Uh, so I knew I was okay. I Where you have who the sender is, if you click on there, sometimes you have to double click. You can see their full address. Sometimes the address will be truncated, but sometimes you can see everything. And this one happened to have lots of letters, lots of numbers, lots of letters, hyphens. It was fairly long. And it ended with uh, .jp. And I have found .jp among a lot of my scammers correspondence. Mm -hmm. So that's something else you can also do to protect yourself. So the things that follow the dot in an email address or a website address, those are called their domains and they are, um, they typically mean something. .jp is usually a Japanese address. That means Japan. There's a .us, there's a .ca for Canada and so forth. CN is China and so forth. Now they, th th just like your caller ID, those things, you can set them to anything you want. Uh, and so uh, scammers do. But it's not normal for you to see the .jp, so that's a red flag. That's definitely that's definitely a good a good thing to watch for. The funny thing is, again, they're not um, they call it phishing for a reason. Like they're casting they're casting for for people that they can hook, right? But really, think of it as casting a very wide net. You're probably not the only person that they cast that to, and so they sort of phrase things and do things in a way where they can send it to as many people as they can. And if they send you know, 10,000 of these out and one person responds, they make money off of that one person. So there's a thing about like the .jp address and stuff that's probably common in other parts of the world where it's not so much here, but you can spot that. And the, it's sort of like the language thing. You know, they don't realize the mistake that they're making, um, but they're kind of hoping you don't realize it too. And so, yeah, the email address thing, and depending on what kind of software you use, you can usually right-click and choose to see the full identity of the person that's sending it to you. A lot of that is also can be falsified. So it's a situation where if it looks wrong, then you'll catch it. If it looks right, you still shouldn't necessarily trust it. Um, and it comes down to just simple, like you said earlier, common sense. Who do you do business with? Who should you be getting email from? Anything that comes kind of out of the ordinary, definitely question it. I had a new business relationship I started a few weeks ago, and the initial payment for that contract, uh, we were we were texting back and forth, and it was, you know, what account can I send this to, blah, 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 whatever. And all of a sudden, the person on the other side, who is a lawyer, said, can you call me on the phone real quick? He said, I've been reading a lot of these stories, and I just want to make absolutely sure. And it was like, absolutely. So I called him on the phone, and we began talking. And I, and I applauded him for that. I said, that's a smart thing to do. I, I've been talking to people about fraud and cybersecurity, and yet it never occurred to me. We're just texting back and forth from two accounts we hadn't used before. You're absolutely right. And so, yeah, there's uh, there's nothing wrong with being vigilant. I wasn't the least bit offended. I actually, it, to me, it's it's great. I mean, it's like now I know not only are you looking after yourself, but you're sensible in that regard. So, again, don't be afraid, you know, and anybody that puts it on you that they start to treat like you're being rude or something like that, that's also a red flag. Like nobody should be offended by the fact that you're looking after your money and that you're looking after yourself. Um, and so, yeah, that was a, that very recently happened to me. And it was funny. It was right after your event and we had been talking and all of a sudden out of nowhere, it was like, can you call me on the phone? And uh, I said, shoot, I should have saw that coming, but yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Lynn, we're coming up on just about 29 minutes, uh, give or take. Uh, anything else from your event or from uh, your seminar that you want to share with the audience? Uh, just that we will be having more. And if anybody's interested, please let us know immediately. Uh, we hope to have them um, ongoing, if not every month, almost every month. So we're always interested in uh, having people who want the information 
find out about it and attend it. Excellent. We're always looking for people. And so your website is clarkgop.org. We've had that scrolling on the bottom of the podcast throughout the podcast. Um, you also have social media on there, and I know you post the uh, invitations and the announcements of those to things like Instagram and to your social media. So be sure to follow the Clark County Chamber and uh, and um, watch for those. There may be one in your area. One thing I love about Las Vegas and Henderson is it's not such a big place. We can get we can cross town if we have to to go to one of them. But uh, your last one was in Henderson. I understand you were planning to do perhaps do one at uh, on the on the other side of town over in Summerlin or something coming up. Yeah, I'd like to hit both. You know, all over different areas because I think. There's no no group that really is the sole group to benefit from it. We all can benefit all ages. So I'd like to go everywhere. We focus with seniors because uh, I happen to live in a senior community, so I knew the audience there. But it uh, it's, it's everywhere, and everybody should be aware of it. Excellent. Well, I want to say thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming in and spending time with us, especially thank you for putting on these seminars and working with the councilman and uh, with Metro and doing this thing. I think it's a great thing. um, And I'm looking forward to the next one. I have to tell you, every time I go, I learn something else. So it's it's a win win for me. Excellent. That's wonderful. Thanks again to Lynn Armanino from the Clark County Chamber of Commerce. Once again, that's www.clarkchamber.org. Watch for those future events. Uh, Thanks to everybody for tuning in to episode two of the Battleborn podcast. We'll call it episode two, the sequel. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you at the next one. I hope everybody has a great rest of your day and take care, everybody.